Welcome to Printing Profits. You know what feels almost as good as someone buying your products? Having an audience that you've already built get excited about what you have to offer. For sellers, monetizing an online community can seem like an impossible task because ultimately it all comes down to one question. How can I get my community to care enough to buy my products? Lucky for you, my next guest has a very simple answer to that by putting them first. Welcome to Printing Profits. I'm Talish Zuffer. And if you love to read and also to spend time on TikTok, then you've definitely heard of Ashley with over 35,000 followers. She's become an important voice for BookTok, a thriving community of enthusiastic readers on TikTok who love what Ashley has to say. But recently, they've also become equally excited about what she has to sell. Ashley's online store is quickly becoming a one-stop shop for her audience and for good reason, which is why I am excited to be able to chat with her today. Ashley, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Talish. So you're lucky enough in that you actually come from a marketing background for over 16 years. Um, How did that help you engage people the way that you have on TikTok? Yeah, I, I think I mentioned this at Amplified, but I always am looking at where people are spending their time Mm -hmm. online. And as a marketer, you're constantly having to look at where the eyeballs are, where your potential customers are, and how do you get in front of them and trying new platforms and new things because marketing is constantly changing. And so that has really helped me have the right mindset in order to start experimenting with new platforms like TikTok when it was new. And, uh, And I think that's really helped me engage in the right way or finding ways to uh, just experiment and have fun with it and not put so much pressure on yourself to be perfect the first time. Why is the pressure not there? Is it because like the platforms change so often or is it just because, you know, is it like a trial and error kind of thing? Yeah, I think there's a lot of trial and error. I think giving yourself permission to make mistakes when you're starting something new is really important. Mm. And I think having, that's not something that I uh, allowed myself, I'll say, when I was starting out early in my career is, you know, I'm such a perfectionist and I wanted everything to be perfect before I put it out into the world. And I think as you get further along in your career and your experience, you start realizing like, hey, it's okay if it's not perfect. You know, it's all about progress over perfection. And I think that's something that takes a while to learn or, or push yourself, at least for me, it did. And so I think being willing to just try new platforms, like post that first video, you never know. Everybody has the same opportunity. It's an even playing field. And I think that's, what's really exciting about social media. Yours is a really interesting case for a lot of people because, um, you started an online store with your audience that was already in place. When you think back, what were some of the steps that you took to begin monetizing that already in place audience? I mean, like, cause that's gotta be a different process. Yeah, It is a very different process. I think, you know, first, obviously there was no monetization plan in place when I started, it was just for fun. And then I saw the growth and in the community and thought, Oh, could this actually be something that I could turn into a business? Like it, it seemed like something that I could be really passionate about and excited about and be able to make money. Like how great would that be? Right. That's like the perfect scenario. So for me, it was more about providing value first for the community. And one of the first steps, once I made that kind of decision to 
let's see if we could turn this into something viable was getting people off of the platform and onto an owned channel. I think mm. that is so incredibly important because as we know, social media is the wild west and you have <laughs> zero control over algorithms and are people going to actually see your content? Like there's a lot of distractions on there. Everybody else is posting. And so taking the time to start building, for example, an email list right away before you ever even sell anything is really important because by the time you actually go to launch your shop, you already have a list of people that are potentially already interested in buying something from you because they've already taken that extra step of like, oh, I love what you're posting. I love your content. I want more of that. And so for me, that meant building a website and a blog. And I started doing a weekly newsletter. Mm -hmm. um, this week is actually going to be the 76th edition of oh, that wow. newsletter. Congratulations. Um, which is yeah, very exciting. And it's it was all for free. It still is all for free. Uh, and it's, you know, interviews and articles and uh, freebies and things that the community really is interested in. Yeah. So before I ever asked them to say, hey, do you want to buy the shirt or anything else? It was about providing them value and getting them into places that I owned and could control the messaging and how they received it. What was the value at first? I mean, you know, you, you've got your content mm -hmm. on TikTok. You talk about building that email list. What was that a, I mean, like how, how, what were you offering people at that point? If your store wasn't ready yet, uh, to give them enough value to consider, you know, leaving that channel and, and, and signing on yeah. to your email list. Yeah. A lot of it was, uh, articles of features. So I was interviewing other creators mm -hmm. and giving tips. So a lot of people that were wanting to become creators. So it was offering those kinds of access to that kind of information they couldn't necessarily get if they were just on TikTok. And, uh, and also lots of freebie things, like whether that's like free digital backgrounds that you can download every month and upgrade your desktop, you know, or your phone background or those sorts of things that are just very easy to create in Canva for free, just for people, you know, for another idea for people. But that was one. And then I also created, um, I love Airtable. Airtable is one of my favorite <laughs> tools that I use every day in my business, but I also use it to create templates that I was giving away for free related yeah. to my niche. And that was something that a lot of people were willing to sign up to get. And, uh, you know, and that provided them immediate value. And then you know, then got them engaged in the community and they started getting more involved. So this is sort of like you trialing your designs first to see like, is this going to work? Yeah. yeah, not necessarily designs, but I think getting a sense of what people are interested in most. So obviously like my niche is quite, can be quite broad. And so I think being able to zero in on like, where's people's interests going to be? Like, are there certain series people are really excited about mm -hmm. and then be able to create products around those series later on. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, creating a newsletter, you mentioned creating a website. Um, all of these are, are methods to, to build that sense of community around your store. Are there, are there other things that people can do to sort of build that community in the same way? So one of the things that I added was a Discord community, and that was something that the community actually asked for. Mm. They wanted a space to be able to talk to each other. And I think that's one of the cool things is connecting people who have interests together. That's very rewarding as well. So again, it's not just about selling a product, but if they're following you on social media, they're probably liking the same types of things. Right. And so they might actually be friends. And so it's really incredible to see people come together and talk to each other from all over the world and become actual friends through 
through the actual community as well. Uh, so Discord's been really wonderful to do that. So this is what I find interesting is that you you have your audience, you take steps to build a community. Is it like that you built the community while doing all this stuff and then at the end of all these efforts you you opened your store or had you already opened your store while you were building your website while you were doing this news uh, newsletter no really <laughs> so i did it i did it all at the end um yeah i had i'd had the idea of wanting to do you know merch or create some designs and stuff for a long time but I felt like I wanted to build all of these other things first. And I think that's probably where my marketing background comes in place again Mm. of like wanting to have a community. And, you know, I think people can approach things very differently. Some people will create an online store and all of a sudden put up ads. And for me, I really value organic reach. If you think about the last product or app you downloaded or anything that you purchased, most likely it was from a family member, a coworker, or somebody who told Mm -hmm. you about it, an actual person, that it was recommended to you as opposed to something you saw in an ad. Like, of course that does happen. I think that's great for scaling down the road. But I think in the early days, if you can do as much as you can organically, you're going to have a much more engaged community and then ultimately build a much more successful brand. So what do you say to people then like new merchants, especially who are thinking to themselves, yeah, I don't know if I, if I want to, you know, like if it's worth it to put in all that time to create that community, I I just want to start selling right away. You know, Mm -hmm. what do you say to people who think like that? I mean, you can do that. I think a lot of people do do that. They Mm -hmm. jump in and they put up an Etsy shop and then they sit and wait for sales to come in Mm -hmm. for months. Um, you know, I see it in the online communities for POD all the time. People are saying, oh, I've like, I'm putting up listings all the time and I'm not getting any sales. Yeah. And it's like, well, you kind of have to do some of the groundwork first to nurture people who potentially want to buy from you. That's going to be much more successful. It's going to make it easier to build that momentum. Like, yeah, it's a lot of work up front, mm-hmm. but nobody said building a business was easy. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people make when they're starting like yes pod is so incredible for getting up and running quickly and not having to have like a ton of cash flow and all these things to get started it's a very low barrier to entry but at the same time that doesn't mean that you don't have to put in work to make it successful Mm -hmm. i mean as a marketer you know you've i'm sure you know about this process from turning a a business into a brand uh which is sort Mm -hmm. of one of the hardest things that any online store can do is to make you know their store a recognizable brand um For people who are interested in that, what should they keep in mind and what should they start doing to start developing their business into a brand? I really think it depends on what your goals are for Mm. the shop. If it's just a side gig or if it's something that, you know, you don't, you just want a little bit of extra income and you're not really looking to make it like a full-time thing, um, then yeah, is it worth the time in building all of that versus, you know, I think there are some very successful as we know, POD shops on Etsy that don't have like a necessarily huge brand. They have a ton of volume and really popular designs and that works really well for them. Um, But I think if you're wanting to create something that has longevity and something that, you know, you want to build into more than just a one person business, like mine is right now, like if I, you know, I have ideas of like, yeah, I'd love to have a team and like Mm. all these things and really grow uh, and this is the this is how it starts. Um, then Scaling I think it's important to yeah. yeah, I think it's important to make sure that you're thinking about not just those short term returns, 
but how do you want people to see you 10 years from now? Like yeah. if this is something you want to do long-term. You like to involve your audience a lot uh, when it comes to settling on ideas for products. Is that, is, is that important to your creative process? Um, you know, in terms of just how you create, or is it just like a, another way to connect with people? I would say it's definitely a bit of both, but probably more the latter. Mm -hmm. um, it's really about building brand trust, awareness, and excitement. And it's a way to have them feel like they're part of the creation process, you know, whether that's like voting on colorways, like oftentimes mm -hmm. I'll have them, um, like I'll select the first three colors I want to do. And then I'll say like, okay, the community is going to decide the last <laughs> one. And, you know, and that also helps give me data points though of like, okay, totally different color than what I thought was going to be yeah. popular. You know, so I think that is actually really helpful in that sense of giving me information about what my audience wants yeah. and, and is potentially going to buy. So I think that's where, you know, you kind of get a bit of both from that. I think another thing too, like I've definitely asked, you know, what type of products do you guys want to see in the future? Mm. Those sorts of things. And, and if you get enough of, you know, a pool of answers, you're going to start to see some patterns of things like, oh, had no idea that people wanted zip ups again, like right. that, you know, those kinds of things that you wouldn't necessarily know unless you ask. And so I think it's really important and, and it's fun to engage with them because then by the time they get to that checkout button, they feel like they had a hand also They're in part of the process. bringing this to life and part of that process. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I love about your story, which is what I've read, is the fact that you bought samples from every single print provider in order to test the quality of the items you wanted to sell uh, before you gave them to your customers. From that experience, what do you re recommend people look for when they order samples if they, if they can't order them all like you did? Yeah. So, well, I didn't, I didn't order from every single <laughs> provider, but I did order a lot from the U S cause that was where the majority of my audience sure. was. And then I did, um, Canada. And then I did have a friend purchase something in, in, from a UK provider because I wanted to see, cause I do have some people in Europe and stuff. So, uh, and I think it was worth, worth it for me to do that investment because I did a lot of research, you know, on YouTube and elsewhere when I was first getting started, again, having that beginner's mindset that not every print provider is created equal. Like mm -hmm. that was consistently the message. And, and I can say that's accurate. And so I think for me, it was worth it because I wanted to see what my customer was going to see. Like, mm -hmm. what is the first impression I'm making as a brand? You know, what does the packaging look like? How is the print quality? Like, is it all mushed up? Like whatever, you know, all of those yeah. different kinds of things. Like what, who, who are they shipping with? Um, you know, that that's always a, a contentious point, I know, in some P POD <laughs> communities talking about that. And so there's a, a term in tech that that's called dog fooding, where it's like it's, you know, you you basically are using your own product and seeing what the customer pain points are. And I think it's really important to do that in any business. And so I always want to have the first impressions be the best that they possibly can be. So I think it was really great to be able to um, see those. And I've stuck with the same providers that I have selected since the beginning, which is really <laughs> cool because I was really happy with, um, with the print quality that I was able to select. And if you don't have that option, cause I know a lot of people are outside yeah. the U S and that's tough because obviously shipping can get quite expensive, but I have to give a shout out to the Printify Rockstar group on Facebook oh, yeah. and to Marta and Florence who are amazing mods there. I think the community there is so giving and um, they're constantly giving out free samples to people of different products. And you can also just search if there's a particular product that you 
want to see a review of and have pictures. People will even post delivery times. Oh, and like yeah. there's a lot of really incredible resources in that group. So definitely take advantage of it. And then something else that I saw some other people recommend is to do like a color swatch. So just buy one sample and mm -hmm. then do like little color swatches across uh, so any of the colors that you would potentially want to print on a particular garment. So let's say it's a black sweatshirt and you want to see how all these different colors are going to print. Yeah. Then you only have to buy one item and then that way you can kind of reference that. So I know it's, you can't always buy samples for everything. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing to keep in mind though, like it's, you can always have a sample sale and kind of recoup those production costs and people love getting a discounted item and, yeah. uh, and then, you know, you don't have a bunch of samples taking up your apartment or house. Um, and then the last resource I'd say is YouTube. YouTube's always mm. fantastic. There's so many people. I think even a lot of the amplified speakers oh, yeah. do product reviews and things as well. Um, and so you can always find people comparing different print providers and it's really, really helpful. And that's also another free resource. Well, speaking of first impressions, I mean, you talk a lot about the importance of having custom mock-ups and, so, and one thing that you've done recently yeah. is take the extra step of buying bespoke mock-ups, which is, I didn't, I didn't know something you could do. Can you explain what a bespoke mock-up is and why, or why that appeals to you? Yeah. So for me, so I am a, a photographer and that's just another fun hobby of mine that, <laughs> that I love doing. So I do take some of my own product photographs, um, but there's only one me. And so I can't really do that for everything. And I, again, really wanted to have that consistent look and feel of that brand ethos that I had and, and the brand aesthetic across my entire shop. Um, and then most importantly, I wanted my product photos to reflect my community, which is quite diverse mm -hmm. and also all shapes and sizes. And so I, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just kind of this homogenous feel and very generic. And I think, uh, that's where if you're using and no offense, but if you're using, you know, some of the printify mockups sure. that they're there for, they're great to be able to show like, okay, this is how it's going to look. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's wonderful to use those in your shop because uh, you are going to look like everybody else if mm -hmm. everybody else is using the same thing. So it's it's not a great way to stand out. So uh, what these mock-ups actually are is um, just photos of, it could be a flat lay, it could be, um, it's most often in apparel and like drinkware and things like that. So people can buy uh, in their preferred aesthetic. So you can literally search like outdoorsy canvas, Bella canvas, like 3001, you know, and, and click mock-up and you'll have a ton of different options. And for me, it's much more affordable to pay $5 for a mock-up than try and go organize a photo shoot yeah. in the city and hire a model and get the samples and do that. You know, that's hundreds, potentially thousands of dollars Definitely. to do something like that versus grab a $5 mock-up that looks fantastic. You can pop it in Canva add your design to it and it looks really professional and nice. Um, and, and for those that want a little bit more, uh, I guess, ability to manipulate things and make it look really natural, you, there are mock-ups on Etsy as well that have Photoshop with adjustment layers and all those things. So you can make everything look really, really professional and nice. You mentioned data points before about how the more data points you have, the more information you know you have about what people prefer, you know what types of products or designs to make next. Um, when you are gathering data, though, what analytics about the products and ideas uh, that work uh, are you looking for? Like, which ones are the most valuable to you, and, and which ones you know you don't really put a lot of stock in? Yeah, so I think 
the first and most important one is actually the title of this podcast, Profits. <laughs> so I think a lot of times people make the mistake of looking at revenue when they're starting out and they mm. think, oh, I'm doing great. I've made all this revenue. And, and you'll see this online with kind of the gurus of, you know, oh, I've made this much revenue. And it's like, okay, but what is your actual profit? Right. Like you have production costs, you have taxes, you have processing fees, listing fees, like all of these things that are kind of taking big chunks out. So in order for you to really make good decisions as a business owner, you need to understand what you're working with at the end, like what's left over mm -hmm. for you. And then what are you doing with it? Are you putting it back into the business? Are you buying sample? You know, like all these different things. So I think that's the most important metric that's kind of your North star. Yeah. And then for me, it's conversion rates. So uh, I'm sure Etsy has very similar analytics, but on my website, I'm able to see like how many people are actually viewing an individual product yeah. and then see that conversion to sales. So I can quickly see like which items are selling better and being viewed. And then the other thing to kind of keep in mind is that data should inform, but not dictate your decisions. It's a past piece of information. Mm. It's not a future teller. Right, so. Right. That's something that a lot of people make mistakes is they allow the data to dictate what they're going to do for future. So I think even in that example of understanding like, oh, this product hasn't really been viewed very much, but it's converting really well for the people that did actually view it. Right. So you need to look and understand that bigger picture of like, oh, well, maybe it's because I actually haven't created any content about that particular item yet. And I need to actually make more content around that item because it's going to sell better because it has a higher conversion rate even though it may have way less views than like yeah. another one that's, you know, doing okay. So I think that's really important. And then also kind of understanding um, your pricing, just that you're pricing appropriately. I think a piece of advice that I was given is, you know, don't price what you'd pay for it. I mm. think it's really easy to put yourself right. in that sense of like, well, I wouldn't pay that much for it or like, <laughs> and people will. Uh, and so don't be afraid to price appropriately and to test pricing in a lot of different ways. I think those are really important pieces to understand. And then again, it comes back to the conversion rate of that testing. Um, and then lastly, I'd say attribution is really important. That's a sticky and messy one because yeah. you can't always get a clear picture of that. But I think if you can understand as much as you can where your customers are coming from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which platforms are converting best for you, uh, and how are they finding you? And then that's where you should be spending your time or more of your time building in those spaces. So that's a really important one. Fair enough. I mean, if you could go back and, and offer any advice to influencers who are trying to become entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who are trying to create content that resonates with an audience, what would that be? Stay humble. <laughs> and I think that's a big one. And have a beginner's mind. I think, you know, never stop learning. Like, yeah, I've been doing marketing for 16 plus years, but I had to start POD at zero, mm. ground zero. You know, I was completely new. I knew nothing about it and had to do a lot of research and test and learn. And I think being willing to be a sponge and just take it all in as much information as you can. There's so many great resources out there. Uh, so I think that's incredibly important for you to be successful, both as an influencer and an entrepreneur. Uh, and then I'd say, again, I think I mentioned this earlier, but start before you're ready and then improve, mm. you know, that, that mentality of progress over perfection 
because people are typically not as harsh as you are to yourself. (laughs) And you might notice all of these little things that aren't, you know, quote unquote, perfect for you, but to them, they might still be having a great experience. So I think just being willing to put it out there and see how people react to it and then make changes based on that. Awesome. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself, Ashley. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is Printing Profits. Hey, folks, thanks again for listening to Printing Profits. We'd like to thank Ashley for coming back to the show and at the same time introduce you to the talented team behind this program. Executive producer, Laura Gelvite, Associate producer, Anita Njoki. Technical and video production, Emils Yasuns and Valerius Olechno. Sound production, Christos Harmonis. And I'm Talish Suffer. See you next time.